everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. So this second candle of Advent is love. And when we think of John, and I'm going to talk from John this morning, a kind of, an, kind of a different place to talk about the Christmas story, as we'll see. But wow, uh, for God so loved the world, this candle of love. You can't go too far into the Gospel of John without understanding that it's a lot of it's about the love and the love of God, uh, that he gave his son, that whoever believes in him shall perish but have everlasting life. And uh, so, Lord, we just ask you to bless these moments today as we, as we continue to journey through December. And with December, we journey through the most amazing visitation that has ever occurred, occurred in the history of, of all mankind. And that was the visitation of your son, Jesus Christ, to our planet. We pray that you'd bless um, the scriptures, that you'd bless the words and Holy Spirit, that you'd go beyond our own human ability to communicate, and that you'd uh, ignite something in each of our hearts individually this morning. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Just want to see who's here today. You know, sometimes I get going, and I don't even know who's here. I got to kind of focus, okay? And then I'll make phone calls to those who aren't here <laughs> and say, where were you? None of my family's here today. I can't, re- oh, Grandpa Zane, you're here. Thank you. Uh, because my wife's playing hooky. She's not feeling well. And all my daughters and their, and their, and their husbands and, and uh, one boyfriend, I got to clarify that, they're all in Florida. Uh, there was a wedding that uh, Jonathan was in, and, and Brant and Brianna are close with the person. So they're all in the, uh, the Orlando area. And then Brittany and Tim are a little further south uh, for a celebration. And so uh, we should have all gone with them and had church there this morning. Wouldn't that have been cool? Uh, at least we'll think that way tonight, because I think it's getting very cold. So anyway... Um, I get to talk about them all I want today, and then, Connor, what we'll do is we'll take it out of the tape, okay? We'll just take it out of the recording, so, and don't tell, okay? So I'll just, I'll use my daughters and my wife as illustrations, because they don't like when I do that. They, they let me know about it later, you know, you can imagine, right? So, um, so let's talk about this morning. I, I love the Christmas songs, and we, at our Connect Group this past week, we did some Christmas carols, and then we were talking about our favorite Christmas song, kind of the secular ones, and who doesn't like Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Um, uh, and, and I think of it, Christmas really is probably the most wonderful time of the year. Now, according to Andy Williams and the authors of that course, it's because there's a whole lot of kids jingle belling and holiday parties and toasted marshmallows and, of course, caroling out in the snow. I could never figure this one out, scary, scary ghost stories. I, I never equate that to Christmas. Maybe you do. Maybe you sit around and tell ghost stories. I never did. Then tales of, I think they're looking for a lyric that rhymes, right? Uh, and, and, and Christmases of long, long ago. Uh, and this is another one that intrigues me. A lot of mistletoeing. I'm not sure I've done one mistletoeing, uh, let alone a lot of mistletoeing. Uh, you better have some chapstick if that's the case, right? Uh, and loved ones who are near, and that, of course, makes it the most wonderful time of the year, probably, as we understand the, the joy of family. And hard to argue with some of that. Some of we might be able to argue with, but uh, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. But it's not because of what's happening, all right? Uh, what we see is oftentimes time is, 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 is just swallowing us up. We're trying to get everything done. We're trying to connect with everyone, and that can be stressful. Uh, Debbie and I, after the funeral, we kind of did this. It was last minute, so uh, we kind of cleaned up, and then I said, let's go grab something to eat, and we went across town, and it was like 3.34 in the afternoon yesterday, and we're going by uh, in Middleton, that, that one uh, 
fancy shopping area and all these great stores. And she goes, I'm so glad I'm not having to buy Christmas gifts this year. Now, if you know my wife, she loves to receive gifts and she loves to give gifts. But we decided as a family to, to take a stocking cap and, and draw a name out. And so we're only buying for one person instead of, holy smokes, you know, a three-hour Christmas opening on Christmas Eve. And I'm snoring after the first round, you know. You know, are you with me? And so we've decided to change that for various reasons this year. A little bit of tradition change, and, uh, and that's good. Uh, changes can be good. But Debbie said uh, she doesn't know what to do with all of her time because when you're a mom and you've got some kids and then you've got a, a couple son-in-laws and you've got your parents and stuff, she, I said, Debbie, I don't see you starting December 1st usually. You're just gone, you know. Um, you know, and, uh, and, that's, uh, and that's changing this year for us, and she, I think she's kind of relieved. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's not because the things that are happening concerning finances to pay, you know, pay for it. Usually we put it on a credit card and hopefully we pay those credit cards off. Um, how about the emotions? Sometimes there's a conflict that, that arises within family and uh, that can be kind of stressful. That doesn't always make it the most wonderful time of the year. You'd like to believe that every time you're with people that everything's good, but that's, we're adults and we realize that sometimes there, there are some barriers and walls that come up. And we have to work through them when we gather as family together. But um, in fact, oftentimes this time of the year creates problems that we, we can't solve. It, 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 it allows us to encounter people that we can't control, not that we're supposed to, but we'd like to, and, and expectations that we can't meet. So I'm saying all that to say that it, for being the, the lovely, most wonderful time of the year, sometimes it just isn't. Now I'll say this, it is the most wonderful time of the year because of what happened, not because of what's happening. What's happening can just sometimes flat out wear us out, but it's because of what happened, and that is that Jesus Christ came and was born, and with his life, the greatest gift was sent into our world and into our space and into history, and he's brought tremendous change to hearts and, and the course of history. Darkness and discouragement can be magnified, and it's, it's in, in, in years past, in our present day, we don't have to look far to see brokenness and discouragement. But also, just as darkness can increase, and we saw this a little bit in the, in the slide ahead of time, in this Advent slide, in this video, that where darkness is, you, sh you show a little bit of light, and magnified light can consume a whole lot of darkness. And it's the light and the love of his presence that we can experience. So it's what's happened is what makes this so wonderful. Now, if we were to talk about the four Gospels and the Christmas story, you'd recognize that there's two Gospels that are very distinctive and very uh, thorough in introducing where Jesus was born and the characters of, that, of his birthday, right? And then there's Mark that just kind of jumps in as an adult where Jesus just kind of shows up on the scene. And then there's John, and you go, John, where are you coming from, you know? Because it's, it's just totally, his gospel's totally different as we visited it uh, last, uh, last October, or I should say September, when we hit the first verse of John chapter 1. Um, but you see, Christmas is wonderful because um, uh, John's perspective uh, is, is so beautiful and so rich, and I want us to talk about it for just a second this morning. Uh, written probably the last, uh, last 10 or 20 years of, of the first century, maybe in the 80s and 90s, it's believed the gospel was written before he passed away. Um, it doesn't look like the other three gospels. Uh, uh, John is the disciple that uh, someone once wrote, uh, he, he reduced he reduced God into a single word, love. Now, that's maybe very, you know, that's maybe a simplistic way of looking at it, but it is kind of true, isn't it? 
He, if you just sum up the gospel of John and even John's letters, uh, it's, it's love for God's soul, love for, in his, in his letters, uh, his first and second, third letter, it's, it's it, we love him because he first loved us. The summation of God is this amazing, amazing love that he has for humanity and, um, and sending Jesus for the purpose of, of, of being that rescue. So uh, the, the revelation came from a life lived in some of the most difficult conditions. So John is writing this gospel, penning this gospel in, in, in some difficult times. Um, he, would have, he would have experienced tremendous loss and tremendous brokenness. So when you read the gospel of John, and when we look at it as a Christ, Christmas narrative this morning, understand that he wasn't on some island, you know, um, uh, filled with flowers and joy and, and birds singing and, and, and uh, Christmas caroling and, and uh, in the snow and uh, marshmallowings toasting and all these things that Andy Williams would speak of. It was a very difficult time. In fact, his friends, all of them that he'd been close to, the, the disciples, uh, tradition says that they'd lost their life for the sake of the gospel, so he had lost those who he was closest to by this time. Uh, he himself had experienced some imprisonment and some persecution. Uh, he was alive when Nero rolled into Israel and literally brought great, great death and, and destruction to Jerusalem and the people living there. So he would have probably known some fellow believers who died at the hands of the emperor Nero. Um, so he wrote his gospel following some really horrific events uh, that can, or have been recorded in history because he, it's believed, lived uh, towards the turn of that first century uh, into his ripe old age, and is, it's believed, again, towards the end of his life when he wrote this gospel. So, but this is what's interesting. At the end of his gospel, uh, and this is, this is actually at the, at the crucifixion. Well, I should say, this is, this is the close. You'll see this crucifixion picture here in a second. But you've seen this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. And, and the signs that we've talked about, um, water into wine, healing a blind man, uh, the, the man at the pool of Bethesda, seven of them, right? Lazarus being raised from the dead, feeding the 5,000. So these are some of the signs. And then John says, there's a whole lot more. And we know there are others because we read the other gospels. But here's what's interesting, I think. Uh, you know, beyond the seven signs, uh, uh, he says this, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So he had a purpose for writing, and he wrote a little bit different, and it was for the purpose of encountering Christ and believing in his name, these, these signs that he introduced. And uh, so John reveals this purpose, and uh, and and. And this, this, and this, again, was coming from a man who is surrounded by a, lot, a whole lot of brokenness, all right? And, and John begins his gospel, not like Luke or Matthew, uh, with the birth narrative. There's no angels, and there's no shepherds, and there's no inn or innkeeper, and there's no wise men or heavenly signs or a crazy King Herod. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's totally different. In fact, I think what's interesting is, and this is that, that picture of the cross where Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he says, uh, when he saw his mother there, because there's a few, couple women around the cross and one disciple, and it was John, okay? And, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, I like how John includes that in his gospel, Jesus loved me. Uh, uh, he said, uh, woman, here is your son, of course, not biological, and to the disciple, here is your mother. So what Jesus is saying 
hey, John, would you take care of mom for me? There, you know, John goes, oh, yeah, you're dying. Well, there's a whole lot more because Jesus wasn't going to stay dead long. He's going to ascend. But he's saying, would you take care of mom for me? And, uh, and tradition says that this disciple whom John, who Jesus loved took him or took Mary uh, and, and cared for her uh, through the remainder of her life. And I'm, I'm sharing that because I think that's interesting. Can you imagine if there's ever a Christmas narrative, if, there's ever the, if you're ever looking for the skinny of what took place on that first Christmas in Bethlehem and the road to Bethlehem, you think John would give it to us, right? Because imagine around the time of Jesus' birth, having Mary living with you, probably at Ephesus, it's believed that's where John was living, that don't you think Mary would start to talk, say, John, did I ever tell you just how bumpy that road was from Nazareth down to Bethlehem? It was hilly. That crazy donkey was acting up around the time we got just a little south of Jerusalem. And you would think that John would have like about 30 pages of the Christmas narrative, uh, you know, uh, Mary talking over, over, over breakfast around the, the time of Jesus' birth, you know, you know, 40, 50, 60 years later. And, and I could just imagine going, you know, there's that one shepherd. He was a younger one, and he was scared spitless. And when he finally arrived to the manger, he kept wanting to hold Jesus. And you know how we are as new mothers. We don't want to necessarily hand him off, especially to a little kid shaking, you know, uh, shepherd. And, uh, and I, no, I'm just making this up, but I'm just trying to imagine. He had, he had years of conversation with Mary that the other disciples didn't have because he was caring for it, but it doesn't show up at all in this gospel. It's there's no Christmas narrative. There's something much more unique, right? Something much more uh, uh, mysterious, mystical, beautiful. Uh, John, uh, I, I, I just like this. I want you to, I want you to see it because uh, he begins with the significance of Christ's arrival into our dark and our broken world. And I just want to look at a couple of these scriptures, and then we'll conclude this morning. Look at this right here. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word, of course, speaking of Jesus, right? And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made uh, that has been made. So there, John gives this beautiful picture. Not, uh, you know, and an angel appeared to Joseph, or angel appeared to Mary first, and then, you know, no, no innkeeper. It's just, in the beginning, sounds more like Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God. And then, uh, look, at, look at verse 4. I think this is kind of interesting. It's, in him was life, and that, light, that, and that life was the light of all mankind. Israel was looking, for, uh, was looking for a national leader. They were looking for a life that would be the light to Israel, a life that would redeem them from the oppression of Rome. And prior to Rome, it was Greece. Prior to Greece, it was the Babylonians or the Persians. Prior to that, it was the Assyrians. I mean, it was, it was like one after another, oppression, oppression. They were looking for a deliverer. And guess what? Uh, John reveals later in life, <laughs> God sent a deliverer, but it was for all mankind, not just a Jewish light uh, and a light only for them, but for every nation, all people, all mankind. Look at verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now again, I, I sharing with you earlier, think of what John is saying. It is really, really, really dark when John is writing this, this gospel, this testimony of Jesus Christ. I mean, we're talking, we've never experienced persecution in our, in our country. 
like persecution was breaking out in different waves in that first century. Like I said, Nero had gone into Jerusalem. Christians had been killed. A lot of Jewish uh, uh, followers had been killed. Uh, Jerusalem, a very sacred place for, for Judaism, sacred place for Christians, had been destroyed. And we're just talking a lot of brokenness and a lot of bloodshed, much like those who survived uh, some of our major wars of the last century. Just horrific time. And John is talking about darkness, but he's saying, hey, guess what? The darkness can't overcome this light. Um, John is probably the last man standing, yet he's saying this darkness uh, will not overcome the light. Everything that the world tried to do to extinguish the light had already failed. Caesar couldn't do it. Augustus, Tiberius, Nero couldn't. Uh, no one, not Herod, no one could extinguish this light. This light was growing, and even though it was dark, John's saying, guess what? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, uh, there's, you know, there's no darkness known to man that uh, cannot be overcome by this light. And you need to understand that for us personal, for application this morning. And there's a reality I just want us to look at briefly this morning that not everybody embraces the light. In fact, verse 10 says, and he was in the world, and, the, and though the, the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Uh, they did not uh, see him. They knew him not, some translations say. say. The, the, the fact is some will ignore some around us, some in our world, some historically ignore Jesus at Christmas time. Uh, and Christmas can already be distracting enough in our culture, but uh, for one reason or another, there will be some who ignore Jesus and the Christ of Christmas. Um, and what we need to do is we need to pause for a moment in all the busyness so as to recognize Christ in our midst and what he's doing uh, uh, presently, not just historically. Look back historically, but presently he's moving and he's present in our midst and reflect on his goodness. Um, but it starts with the truth, and that is this. Jesus Christ was in the world. Jesus Christ was in the world. You see that? And the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. Uh, I liked what J.B. Phillips said. He said this, we must never allow anything to blind us to the true significance of what happened at Bethlehem so long ago. Look at this. Nothing can alter the fact that we live on a visited planet. Don't you like that, the way that sounds? That almost sounds extraterrestrial, doesn't it? Did they, you know, are they coming? Yeah. No, no, he came and he visited this planet. The God of all creation, the one who spoke the stars and the galaxies into existence and breathe life into humanity, formed us. He's the one that visited us and became one of us. And, uh, and we need to understand that only the shepherds and the wise men and, and some, some uh, foreigners uh, from, from the east, wise men there, uh, they, they, were the, they were the ones that welcomed him in the first Christmas story. And, and the question is, has anything changed today? Who is welcoming Christ? Who is who is actually recognizing that Jesus um, is, is here and is he's present in our midst? Now, here's something else we need to see in, in verse 11. He came uh, to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Okay, so some, some uh, are, are caught up in that area of just not recognizing or ignoring. Then there are those who just flat out reject him. And that's speaking of the, 
the, the, the Israelite nation. Many Jewish people did follow Jesus, but many did not. And, and yet they were looking for it. As, as, uh, as Hannah said this morning, we look at Advent waiting and longing for an answer for a Messiah. And that's what Advent is, waiting and waiting. And then there's the presentation, there's the, the visitation. And uh, men, for, for centuries, uh, the, the prophets, they'd, they'd memorize the prophets, foretelling of Christ's coming. And then he comes and they, many rejected him. And uh, uh, besides Herod and the scribes and some of the religious leaders. Now, verse 12 says it this way. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I like this. This is how, this is, this is kind of the take home for us today. Uh, uh, some did and some still do receive Jesus Christ. Uh, not just at Christmas, but every day. And you can see how that's broken down there. The receive literally means to take or to seize. Uh, we can choose to ignore him or reject him, or we can take what has been freely offered to us, right? And uh, ask the question, have you taken hold? Are you taking hold of Jesus today? Maybe anew in this season of the year, uh, are you receiving him? And then that believing, to, to believe means to put our trust completely in Christ, you know, uh, and, and it involves commitment and maybe following, but believing to all those that receive and believe, and then that beautiful part there, we, we become. We become. Uh, and uh, the, the, the latter part, I think, of verse 13 says we're born of God. He, he gave the right to become children of God. And it means, it means an honor or a privilege, that right. It is a privilege, isn't it? It is. A, we, we receive him. We, we grab hold of him. We, we believe in him and that he is, he is our Lord and that he, he has a plan for our life and he is filled with forgiveness as we turn to him. Uh, and then we, we become, we are born into God's, into God's family. And that's, the great, that's a great message right there. That's for those who receive. I'll invite the worship team to come. We'll, we'll conclude. But uh, this, this second week of Advent, love, what greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for a friend that the scriptures say? What greater love than this, than Christ would come so that we could receive him and, 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 and believe in him and, and be born of him? Uh, it's not something I earn. I can't, I can't do something to be born of God. It's something God does for us. I just have to confess that I'm, I'm broken and in need of, of a savior. I'm in need of the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. I can't earn it. I can't wear a certain clothes. I can't speak a certain language. I can't sing a certain song or dance. There's nothing I can do in my humanity to be born of God. It's the gift that he gives us that allows us to be born uh, of, of his spirit. So let's, uh, let's just stand this morning. Uh, I think, you know, Christmas is a great reminder that we've, we've not been forgotten, you know, that, that God, God loves us and he cares for us and that we live on a, a visited planet, that Christ has come into our condition, that he's here for us. Um, when you're experiencing complications or stress or anxiety this, uh, this season, it comes, maybe it's for the younger ones, you don't feel it as much as parents or grandparents do, but um, maybe you're confronted with problems that you can't solve or, or people that you can't control or expectations that you just can't 
meet in your life, just let it go. Just enter into the, the joy and the love that God has for us in this time. This is the most wonderful time of the year. Not, not because of what's happening, but what, because of what has happened. Because of what's happened in our history, in our world. In Bethlehem, at the cross, and then wherever we have come to Christ. That's, that's a part of that history as well, isn't it? Where we have come to Christ. It's not what's happening, it's what's happened and how we have encountered the Jesus of Bethlehem, the Jesus of Calvary, ultimately, and the forgiveness and the grace that follows. Thank you, Lord, for, for the love that you've shown us in this amazing gospel narrative of the beginning of your coming and your extending life and light to us. And Lord, I don't know the measure of darkness that, that some of us might be experiencing. Maybe there's some emotional pain and, 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 and our souls are just oppressed by uh, uh, maybe news or maybe some encounter. Maybe it's just discouragement, Lord. Maybe it's something chemical that we don't even know how to fix. Lord, we look to you today on this, this Sunday in December where we pause to remember your great love and how your love came into the world and how you came as a light to consume darkness. And we, we invite you, Lord Jesus, even now to come and to shed your light on the darkened areas of our heart and our condition and to bring wholeness and healing and forgiveness where needed, Lord. That you come in and that you drive from us the, the, the discouragement and the oppressiveness that darkness can bring. And that, again, you would shine your, your life and your light upon us on this day, Lord, in this moment, in this season. We ask this, Jesus. In your name, great lover of our souls, Lord, we are so thankful for you today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridgeway.church.